Hello, everybody. This is Chris Blair, voice of the national champion Fighting Tigers of LSU. And you're locked in to the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Middle Georgia's number one voice of community and collegiate sports. Go Tigers. This is Mike Conti of Atlanta United and the Atlanta Hawks Radio Networks. You're listening to Middle Georgia's number one team for community and collegiate sports from Atlanta to Savannah. It's the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Hey, this is Andy Demetra, voice of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And when I want to know what's going on in Middle Georgia sports, there's only one place I go. It's the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Your place for community and collegiate sports. Guys, take it away. All right, welcome back into your Rob, Ben, and Joe show. Uh, another day to talk sports, and guys, we got it loaded up today, don't we? We sure do. <laughs> we are ready for it. Rob and Ben, how you guys doing? Surviving, man. Just trying to make it make it happen, uh, Joe. Yeah. Rolling along, rolling along. Talked to uh, our Georgia Bulldog friends a couple weeks ago. We've had Georgia Tech, and we're going to keep it right there in the ACC with our friends from Florida State on the line today. Got Mr. Uh, Jeff Cameron on the phone with us today. I know a lot of you may know that name. He is the ESPN voice of radio in Tallahassee as well as uh, the Florida State University man to know if you want to know about Florida State. And I guess a lot of things there in sports in Tallahassee and around. Wouldn't that be right, Mr. Jeff? Good to be with you, Rob, Ben, Joe. Uh, my pleasure and uh, always fun to get together with like-minded folk who want to talk some uh, college football and college sports in general. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I co- kind of cover it all. You're right. <laughs> now, I know you've uh, you got the, the – I'm going to call it the number one talk show there in Tallahassee with ESPN Radio, the Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 FM, ESPN in Tallahassee. But uh, a lot of other things I'm sure you do there, Jeff. Why don't you give us the rundown of some of uh, where we can find all of your action. Sure. Yeah. No, I, I work, uh, as you just noted, for uh, 97.9 ESPN Radio here in Tallahassee, Florida, as, as you uh, pointed out, on the FM. And then I also work for, uh, occasionally I fill in on ESPNU on Sirius XM as a host there. And then I also do a PGA golf show on the PGA Tour channel on Sirius XM. Uh, I also do another show called Seminole Headlines, which is just local here in Tallahassee. And I do pre-games for Seminole football and, uh, and, and fill in every now and then for baseball. So, there's a lot going on, uh, but it's it's an absolute joy to do, and I'm very, very fortunate to uh, be able to talk sports for a living, get paid to do it. Absolutely, Jeff. Uh, this is Rob here. Appreciate you coming on with us, man. Uh, but uh, but uh, down there in Florida State, uh, obviously, um, the Seminoles had a big change at the end of last year with, uh, with the entry of Mike Norvell and uh, – since you're down there super plugged in and we're kind of on the outside looking in, but just talk a little bit about how different or the issues that may were there with Taggart um, that Norvell is coming in and trying to change to get Florida State back into the consistent top 25. We know the athletes are there. They're always there. They've always recruited super well. Um, but just talk a little bit about the challenge that Norvell's got and what all's ahead of him from what Taggart left him. Well, it's a nightmare, guys. Uh, I think there's no other way to describe that. And, and it's amazing when you really think about how it all happened. Um, and, and, and to get to where we are with Mike Norvell, I think it's important to take a look at the preceding few years. Uh, Jimbo Fisher's final season, in which he had a losing record. A lot of people forget that. He was 5-6 and six when he left. Odell, Odell Higgins took over late in the year to coach the last two games. They went 2-0 and to get to, to a bowl game. They won 
the Independence Bowl. But that said, uh, that season was a disaster. Uh, Jimbo Fisher leaves, takes the job at Texas A&M. Unfortunately, Coach Fisher, who I had a, a good working relationship with and, and had the opportunity to interview every week, uh, every Sunday evening, we would sit down and talk, and I got to know him pretty well. Uh, when things went south in Tallahassee, they really went south, and, and, and he kind of turned his back, and, and I think he had prematurely left the, the job before he, before he was actually out the door, and so recruiting suffered a little bit. They made the move to Willie Taggart. I think they thought that Coach Taggart, having done good things at USF and then taking his uh, uh, coaching acumen to, to Oregon, uh, they thought he would come in and, and immediately there would be a spark in recruiting because he had ties to the state. And I, I think also they figured that eventually that, that would pay off, but Willie Taggart could never really get, get the thing off the ground. Um, uh, he did not immediately connect, uh, struggled uh, on game day, to say the least. Florida State had um, no success bringing in quarterback play or anything else at that point. And so Willie Taggart was really a dead man walking. I think the university at that point decided it was time to, to, to cut bait because they recognized it wasn't going to get better in year three. So they make the move to Mike Norvell. And, you know, so far, uh, Mike Norvell has proven himself to be uh, an incredibly hard worker and, and a very organized guy. And it seems to portend good things. But the truth is, we don't know, because what COVID-19 has done is really cut short his opportunity to not only install, but connect, I think. I mean, they only had three practices in the spring. Uh, you're going to be looking at a quarterback battle, guys, and, and they really never got a chance to get that underway. Uh, he's got an entirely new coaching staff that he brought with him, some of whom he knows very, very well, but some of which he's not worked with before. And so you do wonder how that's going to look in year one. Uh, the talent's not where it needs to be. Certainly it's it's not uh, – there's no lack of starting talent, but I also think that they are really lagging behind in terms of quality depth. So it should be – it could very well be a, a big-time uphill battle for Coach Norvell in year one. Jeff, I know that you're talking about talent there. It's exactly what I wanted to ask you about. Just looking at uh, uh, the Knowles uh, 247 ranking here, basically it has a national rank of 22 for Florida State, ACC rank of four there. Uh, how do you feel about the opportunity for some of these guys that are coming in, Brian Robinson, Stephen Dix, uh, Ja'Kai Douglas, these recruits that have committed to Florida State? And how do you think uh, that – return has been on commits based on what you said about Fisher being out the door and Taggart's ability or inability to recruit. How do you feel like this class is uh, of recruits coming in? Do you think that's right where it should have been a little more, a little less? What? Well, I mean, I think they're going to have to have time to connect. I mean, they've got real issues right now, just in terms of trying to recruit from a distance, you know, they were unable to hold camps. Um, and, and then of course they haven't been able to go on the road uh, I, I think you'll see an uptick in recruiting here because if you look at the job that Mike Norvell did at Memphis, uh, here's a guy that took two and three star kids, brought them in. He was able to project what they could be. Obviously he was able to develop players. He put kids into the league and he was able to win the conference three years running. I, I, I think he can really coach. I think he develops players and I think he puts them in a position to succeed, which ideally is what coaching is. And I just think if he's afforded that opportunity, now look at the end of the day, He's going to get a chance. He's going to have ample opportunity to ride it through and to be able to go through an entire cycle. Florida State's not in a position, having moved on so quickly from Willie Taggart, to be able to fire a coach if things aren't working out in two years. I mean, he's going to get a full four, 
I would say five. So he's got a little bit of time, but the pressure to win around here obviously is heightened. I do think that you brought up Dix. He's a player that a lot of people are excited about. I saw all three practices, and I will tell you one of those was full pads. He flies. He glides around the field. He looks like he'll have an instant impact. Um, that's an area at linebacker where Florida State has really struggled in the last several years. So I think he can come in and play. I think Florida State's got a team that um, a lot of young players might get an opportunity to play right away. So uh, it, it, it's exciting in the sense that if you like to watch somebody develop and you want to see the impact of the new coaching staff as they teach, as they get you know guys to buy in, uh, you get to go along for the ride. And really there's no pressure in year one because Florida State's coming off a losing season. They, they, they've had their practices cut short. I, I think most people are going to want to see market improvement as the season goes along, but they understand coming out the box, it could be a little shaky. Yeah, no doubt. And we have uh, me, Ben, and I here are tech fans, and so as you know, being in the ACC, we went through one hell of a transition, transforming from Paul yeah. Johnson into into Jeff Collins, totally revamping everything um, from recruiting to the offense to is a total rebuild. Um, thankfully, we didn't have COVID nineteen last year, so he was able to have all of that time. But this year, going in, you, you're you're sitting there like, well, well, oh my gosh, here we go, we, we have a chance to actually work with these young guys. They're settled in, and then COVID hits, and you miss these practice. And now you look at programs like Florida State. Norville comes in, and he literally had time snatched away from him to even evaluate some of these players um, from the start. And so you really don't know what you have in other programs out there that are trying to have quarterback battles. You really don't know what you have. And when you start in July, if they're going to let them come back and that's when camp starts, that's really short to September 1st when the weekend and stuff kicks off for the first thing. But at Florida State, what we've noticed, the quarterback play has been dismal since Jameis Winston left. It's like it's been non-existent, hadn't really had a guy um, that's really been penciled in there. So for the Knowles, who who is coming along and what is that battle shaping up like? And is there a guy on the roster that can be that guy or is it maybe a little bit longer down the line? Well, you know, what he's got to answer, meaning Mike Norvell, who, you know, himself played receiver when he played collegiately and is the offensive coordinator and primary play caller. He's been a guy that has adapted his offenses to the talent that he has at quarterback, meaning he's adjusted some of what they do. They've had quarterbacks that could run when he was at Memphis, so he ran them. He's had quarterbacks that were primarily pocket passers, so he let him sit back there and throw it around the lot. I, in talking to Coach Norvell, I think the thing he has to figure out is do either of the two freshmen coming in, whether it's Rodemaker or Chubba Purdy, and Chubba Purdy's the more accomplished, well-known recruit out of Arizona. He's the kid who was the Arizona player of the year and he's a kid that a lot of people believe from a skill set standpoint has a chance to come in and compete I actually believe his opportunity to come in and compete uh, really uh, it was amplified by the fact that other guys didn't get a chance to get a leg up on him Rodemaker was a guy that got here early and he was going to have the whole spring to, to make an impact and compete with James Blackman and Jordan Travis well three practices everything gets cut off so now Chubba Purdy can come in and basically be at even footing with the other freshmen. I don't think Jordan Travis is a true starter at quarterback, so he's a guy that you might use for a change of pace. When we saw him at the end of last year, he can really fly. He's a great athlete. He's an average passer at best. And James Blackman, I feel sorry for the kid because he's a good kid, and he's done everything that's been asked of him. 
but he's gone through three offensive coordinators. He's had a terrible offensive line to work with. And frankly, I don't think he's to the standard of what Florida State should be seeking at quarterback around here. You're talking about, if you look at Florida State's history, you certainly know it. Florida State's a team that when they win the national championship, they get good quarterback play. In fact, they get Heisman winning quarterback play. So whether it's Charlie Ward, won the national championship, won the Heisman. Chris Winkie, won the national championship, won the Heisman. Jameis Winston, won the national championship, won the Heisman. So (laughs) they had a slew slew of All-Americans in between. When you look at Florida State currently, you realize that for several years now, it has been lacking. And you're right, whether it's DeAndre Francois or James Blackman, uh, you know, it, it's it's been tough. So I, I, I think I would be inclined if I were going through a transitional season, coming off a six and seven campaign with very low expectations. I think I'd be inclined if there was any way to do it, to go with one of the freshmen, understanding that he's going to take his lumps, but knowing by the time Florida State's in a position to compete in the Atlantic division with Clemson, probably two, three years down the road, you'd have a guy with a lot of experience a guy who had been through the battles and a guy who was ready to lead you to a championship. So I would be inclined to take my lumps this year, frankly, in what's probably going to be a bit of a truncated season, certainly a weird season. I would be willing to go ahead and roll the dice with, with one of the two freshmen that are coming in. Yeah, Jeff, this has been, and I'm telling you, man, I, I, I agree 100%. What do you have to lose? This season really is not going to prove a whole lot. You might as well dump your you dump your eggs into a new guy you feel like can carry your team uh, on into uh, you know his junior or senior year, uh, whether it be even kind of playing with both of those freshmen. And um, the one thing that I saw about Florida State, and I watch a, I watch a ton of ACC football and uh, and, and – I watch, have watched a lot of Florida State games because they have always get a good primetime slot because of their history. And um, mm-hmm. I, the one thing I noticed from from last year, and I'm, I'm wondering, and uh, you can kind of speak to this, but uh, how do you think Norville's going to handle um, the, the, the disconnect that Willie Taggart had? I felt like when you watched a Florida State game, the sidelines were dead, the players were dead, the coaches didn't seem like they were really on the same page. You'd be looking out there, and the, the players would be kind of throwing their hands up it just looked a little discombobulated uh from a standpoint of being an outsider i mean james blackman would drop back to pass or even you know um francois they would get annihilated like they just stand up and it was just like i mean running of the bulls um whenever and it's not their fault um do you think norville will do a better job of creating some cohesion i mean i'm an outsider and i don't have the plug at florida state but just seeing what i saw i felt like there was a huge disconnect there between even the players the staff uh just a whole thing and i think the fans even kind of mixed into that do you think norville will be able to kind of uh bridge that gap Ben, it's a good point, and you're exactly right. It was a discombobulated mess last year. There was no cohesion. Um, it, it was it was it was absolutely embarrassing. Um, I've never seen anything like it at this level. Um, I I've seen the end of Bobby Bowden's illustrious career, where the game had passed him by, and it was time to move on. And it's always sad when a legend has that happen. And Florida State was not getting the most out of their talent, but there was a semblance of a plan. They had a clue what they were doing. They just weren't good enough. Yeah. And 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 they weren't inspired, and they weren't recruiting at the same level anymore. Uh, this was a, a fractured bunch. I think you had some kids who, who bought in early on and then were disillusioned. I think you had other kids who never bought in. Uh, I think Willie Taggart, uh, while a good man and, and a hardworking man in the sense that I think he cared, and he, and he cares about the kids, that I know. I don't think – I think – let me just put it this way. He was in over his head. 
100 percent and and we watched that happen um you know I, I talked to coach taggart each week that he was here i interviewed him once a week just like i did coach fisher and i know where his heart is because we had plenty of conversations off the air so I, i'm always hesitant to rip him certainly personally because i think he does care about the kids and their well-being but he really didn't have a staff that was on the same page now some of that some of that's not his fault. Some of that is he came in at a time where there was a whirlwind. You know, Jimbo left in basically the dead of night, left his Christmas tree out on the corner, took the Texas A&M <laughs> job. That was a crazy situation. Florida, it was the first ever early signing period uh, where they changed recruiting. So he came, by the time Willie Tiger got here, he had, he had like nine days to try, to try to salvage something of a recruiting class and put together a staff. He ended up with Walt Bell, whom he had never met that had been a coordinator at Maryland. Walt Bell was young, inexperienced. Those two ended up not seeing eye-to-eye about what kind of offense they should run. So when your new head coach and your offensive coordinator immediately disagree about how to best utilize your personnel, well, you got a problem. Now you throw in the mix that the offensive line was a sieve. And I would argue that's the worst offensive line in any Power 5 that I've ever seen. So Florida State was in a state of disarray. Willie Taggart could never get the train back on the tracks. People recognized it was going downhill. It was smart of the university to cut bait. I know a lot of people say it's controversy to do that, to fire a guy in two years. Ordinarily, I would argue you got to give a guy three or four years, but that's only if you're seeing real progress and you're seeing a buy-in and an understanding and a cohesive plan, something cogent that you can you can point to and say, hey, I know the record's not where we want it to be, but we're in the we're in the transformative process, like Collins is doing at Georgia Tech, like other coaches that you see take over new programs. You never really got that sense here. You, you've got to scheme around, and certainly you guys understand this. you got to scheme around your weakness. you got to play to your strengths. I never saw any of that. Now, it's awfully hard to win meaningful football games against quality teams if you can't block it up up front. And games begin and end whether or not you can win the line of scrimmage. Florida State wasn't going to beat the better teams on their schedule, even if they were organized, because the offensive line was an embarrassment. That said, they would have won a lot more games against teams uh, that were of their caliber, even, if you will. And they certainly could have schemed around the problem up front to an extent. Get the ball to your quarterback's hands a little bit quicker, spread people out, uh, play the quick game a little bit more. They never really did that. They let their quarterback sit back there and take a beating. And that's very demoralizing, obviously. And then on the defensive side of the ball, the secondary was a problem. They were never able to coach them up, and that was supposed to be an area of expertise for the defense coordinator. So they, they, they really, they never really were able to put it together. I don't think they were on the same page. From what I've seen with Mike Norvell and this coaching staff, they're on the same page. They have, in terms of messaging and a plan, uh, a cohesion that never existed. I saw that in the first three days at practice. And uh, it was telling, not just to me, but all the other veteran reporters that have been covering this team for a long time. We're all looking at each other going, this is already better in three days. <laughs> so, so I really think uh, they have a plan. And, and obviously, you're talking about a really hungry coach. Mike Ravel's 38 years old. This is his opportunity. This is the opportunity of a lifetime. Now, if you win at Florida State, obviously, you can kind of punch your ticket. You can either stay at Florida State, continue to recruit at a real high level, and, and, and win games for a very long time. Or if you if you have ambitions to go to the NFL, you could maybe go there. He's young enough where that's a possibility. He's a bright offensive mind. So he knows this is a great opportunity, and he's very hungry, and he's very focused, and he's very diligent.
Yeah, that's exciting. I tell you what, that's 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 exactly the depiction I got from an outsider who is not a Florida State fan, but I was flat out embarrassed for the Seminoles and the ACC. I mean, there was games where I would look around the house and be like, "Man, this Tiger guy or just the, the whole un, the whole unit was embarrassing, Jeff." Like I was like, "Man, this is just not Florida State. This makes the conference look bad." Like, they'd come out there and just look like they couldn't do anything. So, I'm glad to hear that Norville in a couple days or the outside perspective was actually what was going on at Tallahassee but it sounds like Norvell you can you can tell organization when you see it it's not a it's not that hard to pick up on but uh Jeff you want to hang out with us man we're going to throw it to our uh our first break here and bring you back talk a little bit more Florida State and even some uh some golf so we'll be back in just a second sounds good all right we got uh Mr. Jeff Cameron on with us from the Jeff Cameron show the number one voice in Tallahassee uh sports radio ESPN Sirius XM Radio, and of course, everything you need to know about Florida State. We'll be right back on your Rob, Ben, and Joe show. Stick around. Now back to Rob, Ben, and Joe. Brought to you by Bubba's Tire and Network One Sports. Eyeballs Marketing and Signs. That's Eyeballs with a Z. I-B-A-L-Z is all about everything you need for printing services, marketing services, apparel services, signage, banners, wraps for your vehicles, design services, or a whole lot more. Whatever you need in your business to get your message out there, you can count on Eyeballs. I-B-A-L-Z dot com. Eyeballs Marketing and Sign and Warner Robbins. Springtime is here, and Bubba's Tire Center is here to handle all of your vehicle needs. With the current situation of COVID-19, we are still operating our normal hours, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30. If you need some more time on that set of tires or vehicle repair, we offer a 90-day payment option that requires no credit check, as well as the Goodyear credit card. Don't forget, we offer free pickup and delivery, so you never have to leave your home or place of work. Call us today at 470 278-275-2964 or check us out online at Bubba'sTireCenter.com Come to Bubba's Tire Center where we do tires and a whole lot more. Uh, Death Valley is now on the bucket list if it wasn't already. Yes. <laughs> you sold us. Yeah. And anytime you want to take us, Chris, we'll be happy to go. <laughs> it's, uh, well, I promise you this. You guys let me know if you want to take in a game and we'll roll out the purple carpet. It's too bad you missed the Georgia thrashing last season. <laughs> <laughs> we will do that. Hello, everyone. This is Sean Elliott, the head football coach for the Georgia State Panthers. You're listening to the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show, the number one voice for community and collegiate sports from Atlanta to Savannah. Go Panthers! All right, you're back on the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show, brought to you by Network One Sports, Bubba's Tire Center, and, of course, Eyeballs Media and Marketing. We appreciate you being here with us. Don't forget to download the show anywhere you go, Spotify and iTunes. You can find us right there. Take your podcast with you wherever. And Saturday mornings, 10 a.m. on 96.9 The Buzz. If you want to catch the radio version of the show here with us today, we've got Mr. Jeff Cameron from uh, Tallahassee ESPN Radio. Jeff, uh, thanks for sticking around with us, my friend. Yeah, my pleasure. 
Yeah, Jeff, uh, just uh, adding back to that, uh, talking about the cohesion and stuff before the break of Norvell and his staff. Um, for our listeners here, since it's very fresh, and uh, we have a pretty strong Florida State base around uh, around the state of Georgia. Tallahassee's just, you know, right out the back door. Um, but talk a little bit about how Norvell, and you talk about the cohesion and how well they fit together, and it's already, you can tell, a big difference. And I don't care what kind of staff you have, how talented they are, if they're in the Southern Conference at Furman or Wofford, or if they're at USC in California. It doesn't matter what talent base. It matters how those guys fit and mesh together, and if they're all on the same page. You can tell that from start to finish as soon as they get in there because perception is reality. If they look like they know what they're doing, chances are behind the scenes they do. Um, So talk a little bit about who are some of Norvell's, who's the defensive coordinator, who did he bring on? And a lot of those guys, did they come from Memphis? And uh, what's his coaching staff look like? Yeah, Adam Fuller came over as the defensive coordinator. I'll start there since you mentioned him. And and Adam's a guy uh, that, that coached with Norvell in the past. So they have a working relationship. Uh, he was with Mike Norvell as the defensive coordinator there at Memphis just last year. So they've been together. They had a they had a 12-win season, obviously. Um, so that was a school that, that – you know, he, he, he had worked with him and understood exactly what he was doing. I think offensive coordinator, um, you look at uh, Kenny Dillingham came in, and Kenny Dillingham's a guy that also worked with Norvell, but not last year. He was at Auburn uh, pr- prior to that. So those are two guys that uh, he's really familiar with. Uh, Chris Thompson is the, is the tight ends coach, but was also an offensive line uh, coach at TCU. He's got a sterling record. In fact, they go back. They know each other. Chris uh, helped coach uh, – Mike Norvell, when Mike Norvell was a player at Arkansas State. Uh, and then Alex Atkins is an offensive line coach that came in, and that's going to be a key position. I wanted to go there right off the bat because Alex, Alex Atkins was the offensive coordinator and offensive line coach at Charlotte last year, which actually had a sneaky good offense. And from there, he had been an assistant head coach and offensive line coach at Tulane prior. And the funny story about that is, of course, Memphis and Tulane are in the same conference. And Norvell said that every time they played Tulane, he noticed that the offensive line was extremely well coached and he would ask, you know, he would ask people in the coaching business, who's the guy that's coaching uh, the offensive line for Tulane. They told him, well, it's Alex Atkins. So fast forward, he's looking at tape and he's trying to get a feel for uh, this game against Charlotte that they have. And he notices the offensive line play is extraordinary. And he says, who's this guy who's coaching their offensive line. It turns out it's Alex Atkins. And so He knew then, okay, I've noticed this guy at two different stops. I got to get him in here. And he brought him in. And I think that's going to be a very important hire. Florida State has struggled with offensive line play. There's no doubt about that. Everybody knows it. It's been the bane of their existence. But I do believe Alex Atkins is going to make a big impact uh, on this coaching staff and on this group. Um, Maybe not right away because, again, they're lacking some talent there. Uh, but I think he'll put those guys in a position to succeed. Ron Dugan stays over. He's former Florida State great, went on to play in the NFL, won a national championship in Tallahassee. He stayed on. He kept him and retained him just like he did Odell Higgins, the defensive line coach. Uh, Odell Higgins is kind of like the furniture that comes with the house. You're not allowed to get rid of him. Uh, <laughs> Odell, Odell is an all-time legend here and was an All-American here and is a hell of a guy. And the kids love him. He's a good recruiter. and He's a good coach, frankly. So, uh, he was smart to keep him, brought in Chris Marv uh, as the linebackers coach and Marcus Woodson as the defensive backs coach. Um, and, 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 you know, I think another important hire, uh, rather than go through everybody's resume, I will tell you this. I thought this was interesting. We talk about organization. We talk about 
having a plan and sticking with it and having your eyes dotted and your T's crossed. They brought in Bruce Warwick. His position technically is chief of staff. Bruce Warwick will coordinate all the aspects of the administrative stuff that they do behind the scenes, where players are to be, why they're supposed to be there, how long they're supposed to be there, where they go next. All of that stuff, that's true of the coaches as well. And the reason that's important, I talked with him the other day, actually. That's a guy that spent eight seasons in the NFL as a director of operations. Uh, He worked with the Rams when they moved uh, to Los Angeles. He had to put that together after working with them in St. Louis. This is an extremely organized, attention-to-detail kind of guy. I thought that was a huge hire for a place that has not been organized for going on four years. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, it sounds, after hearing your description, what we saw the product with Taggart the last couple of years, people are going to underestimate. They Most people, if they look at that, are like, oh, you know, who cares about who the guy is behind the scenes, you know, director of operations. Oh, that's a big deal, man. Yeah, but, but that is a massive deal because that is the guy – that's responsible for where are the kids going to be in study hall? Where are they going to be at this time of day? What's the scheduling like? They're the ones that handle all that, and that's the baseline. See, it's more – it's almost like me and Ben and I were fortunate enough. We played college football at Mercer, and Joe played college baseball. Well, you're you're almost in a, almost a military sense the way that they train you to do stuff. Okay, they set your schedule for you. Right, you're going to have class X, Y, Z. You're going to have practice here. You're going to have study hall at this time. You have meetings at this time. Well, they do all that not to punish you or treat you like you're not a, a person. They do that to try and, and, and train your body into that motion and and build the cohesion between players so when they teach you something and you're in practice and playing, you'll go through that same process. Okay, I got to do X, Y, Z. I know I got to be here. I'm going to be seven yards off the ball. If the, if the wide receiver lines up here, I'm going to be 12 if he comes here. So, Jeff, don't you think all that stuff behind the scenes like you're alluding to plays a much bigger piece than just what you see on paper where the kids go from hour to hour? It's huge. You also want to take away decisions and uncertainty throughout a kid's day. There you go. That's right. You, 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 want, you, you need consistency in order to get the most out of your performance on a day-to-day basis. And I think most people who have a form of discipline and are successful in life really do simplify a lot of things during the course of their day. What time they get up, what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, where they have to be. These are things when they lay their head on the pillow the night before, they already know. They already know what they're doing the second they open their eyes. They have in place a system and a set of set movements, like you described, that they're going to make. It removes ambiguity. You know at that point, I'm going to get up. I'm going to eat this. I'm going to go work out at this time. I have to be there for film review at this time. I've got class at this time. I got practice at this time. I go to study hall. I eat. I go to bed and I do it again tomorrow. And that's, you know, when you have that kind of consistency, you don't allow for outside influences to kind of seep in and distract you. You don't have time to, to go wayward. And coach Norvell has talked about, he wants practices to take place early in the morning. And the reason he wants that to happen, and a lot of coaches do that, but one of the reasons that he wants to do that is he said, I want the kids to wake up and the first people that they see are people that they know care about them and that they know have their best interest in mind and that they know are on the same page they, they, the, the, you know, that they are on. So I think 
you're going to see now a group that has a real idea what they're supposed to do when they're supposed to do it. It's just a matter of whether or not they can stay healthy. They're a little thin on the depth chart in terms of talent and whether or not, obviously, uh, they can they can kind of figure out this is a brand new offense and a brand new defense that they still have to install. So I really do worry with the shortened time to do that and in practice how good they're going to look early, but they're not going to have any question marks about how their day looks or what it is they're supposed to do or where they're supposed to be. And that's a big deal. At Mercer, we had the morning practices, and I will tell you, it does more than just put you into a place of where you know exactly what's happening because when you, have, when you know you've got to be at the field house at 6 o'clock, in the morning and you're practicing at 6 30 i'm not talking about we're moseying through we're, <laughs> no. we're hitting padded <laughs> at 6 30 yeah. padded helmets on you're not gonna stay out late the night mm. before because you can't make practice you, it'll 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 drag you out you can't do it and that right. and then starting the day like that you automatically when you wake up like you say first thing you're thinking about football I got to be there. I'm doing this, 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 and then the rest of your day. It cuts out any outside elements. Mm-hmm. No matter, no matter what place you make it, especially at a place like Florida State, it has the rapport of Alabama, Clemson. It's just a historic program. 18, 19 year old big time recruit at any big Power Five school, especially like that, has the possibility with too much free time to get into trouble that he shouldn't be in. Oh yeah, it's just the way it is. So doing those type of things help a kid stay focused, and will help help them be prepared for success and to be able to buy in and do what they need to do to try to make that program successful. Yeah, and you can, you can sense right now, I talked with Marvin Wilson, um, stud defensive tackle, that if he has a good year, probably goes in the first round, the upcoming draft next year. He's a guy that has been here for the end. Jimbo Fisher recruited him out of Houston. He was a five-star recruit. He commits to Jimbo Fisher. Fisher leaves year one. Then he's, then he's playing for Willie Taggart, two years Willie Taggart. Now Norvell comes in. So there's a guy with immense talent that has now played for all three coaches or will play for all three coaches. And I sat down and spoke with him over a lunch first week that Norvell allowed the press access to his players and his staff. That's another thing Mike Norvell has done, by the way, is he's given an almost unlimited access to the press. I asked him why he did that in an era where so many people are secretive, and he said, Oh, I've got nothing to hide. I'm proud of my program. I'm proud what I'm going to teach these young men to be. I want you to document it. There you so go. That's awesome. That's a pretty amazing answer, first of all. Secondly, Marvin Wilson, I sat down with him. A coach can say whatever he wants to say. He's trying to dictate terms and trying to create, obviously, sort of a, a mantra or a guideline for the press and his, and his team. But players tend to tell the truth if you get them alone a little bit and, and you kind of get to talk to them. Well, well Marvin Wilson told me, that the impact and the buy-in from the players to Mike Norvell and this staff was almost instantaneous because Mike Norvell sat them all down, whether you were a senior or you were a freshman, and said, listen, you're going to make whatever decision you're going to make. I understand you guys have been through an awful lot. Many of you, re- you know, committed to other coaches, and your time here has not gone the way that you wanted it to. But I promise you, if you stick with me, you will be a better man and a better player for it. Now, I can't make that decision for you, but I will tell you this. It's not going to be easy. Whether you're a starter or a third stringer, I'm going to treat you the same. Same. You're going to have to go through the process. But if you do, you'll be better for it. And Marvin said he believed him. A lot of the seniors, uh, you know, players like Tamori and Terry, who could have gone to the NFL, said they believed in it right away. They're anxious to do it. I'm anxious to see it. I think the fans are too. But he's done as much as you can to create buy-in 
without having the number of practices that one would you know ideally like to have. And I think that's incredible that he's been able to establish that type of connectivity with his players, especially off the bat, that buy-in you're talking about. And that leads me to my next question. Um, with Clemson being such a force in the Atlantic side of that conference, you know, whenever, whenever they were kind of coming on their rise, Florida State was the coastal side of being like, all right, maybe we don't have to play Clemson if we can get, or, you know, if we can get there. Um, do you think, what do you think it's going to take uh, for Florida State to get back, because get back to that point to where they're extremely um, competitive uh, with Clemson? And what do you see Clemson's outlook as? Because I know in the, on that Atlantic side, it's just, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough deal. But kind of how do you see that playing out? Because I really feel like uh, from a tradi ACC traditionalist perspective, I see Florida State and Clemson on that side out of the conference always hashing it out to be that team coming out of that side well i think that's what would be best for the acc i think obviously if you're at, if you're just uh, waving the flag for the acc you want to see a strong clemson a strong florida state a strong virginia tech a strong miami i know some of you guys want to see a strong georgia tech yeah, yeah absolutely <laughs> <That's right. laughs> please oh i don't but, care leave them out every, <laughs> hey, 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 every now and then every now and then jeff we slip up on those seminoles every now and then yeah, yeah. Every, every now and again but i i, I would say this uh, Florida State's a long ways away from competing with Clemson. Clemson sure. is the, the the preeminent program in college football. Uh, I think you look at Clemson and you talk about them in the same esteem as you do Alabama and Ohio State. Absolutely sure. question. And so Florida State was that team. I, I think when I talk to the listeners around here and I talk to the diehard Florida State faithful around here, I tell them, listen, right now it seems like you're climbing Mount Everest. It seems like – to, to get to Clemson's level, it's going to take years. But keep in mind, in 2013, 2014, Florida State not only won the national championship in 13, they won 29 straight football games. Mm -hmm. Now, Clemson just recently tied that mark. They lost in the national championship game to LSU, which means all they could do was tie FSU for the most consecutive wins while in the conference of 29. Now, at that time, if you, if you surveyed the college landscape, Florida State had a Heisman-winning trophy quarterback. They produced 21 players to the NFL in a two-year span. They were the most prolific uh, producer of talent in all of college football, and that includes Alabama and others uh, in terms of NFL draft picks in that span. Nobody could have predicted that not only would Florida State get surpassed by Clemson, but they would fall off the side of a mountain and be irrelevant inside <laughs> of two years. 100%. So, so it, it doesn't take much – it's it's one off the field mistake. It's one moment of hubris from a coach. It's missing out on a top tier quarterback. It's what it's it's an injury riddled season. You know how quickly this can change. And if you create momentum, maybe you upset Clemson once in the next couple of years, and all of a sudden recruits who ordinarily would look at Florida State in the South Region or in the state of Florida who aren't looking at them now go, hey, listen, Norvell's really got something going there. And then all of a sudden you get more yeses than noes and the, and the balance of power begins to shift. It can happen very quickly. And uh, not only did you see that with Florida State and Clemson, Clemson passing Florida State, but think about it. Urban Meyer had it rolling at the University of Florida at the time that Jimbo Fisher came to Tallahassee. And Urban Meyer is winning national championships, looking like they're on top of the world. Tim Tebow winning a Heisman, the whole deal. And the next thing you know, he's got controversy off the field. He fakes a heart attack. He decides to leave. <laughs> Next thing you know, 
Florida's on their face and Florida State's supplanted them in the state. Now, you know, you just don't know. So you got to stay the course. You got to put in the work. You got to get buy-in from your kids. You got to maybe win some games that maybe you're not supposed to. You got to keep some other games in which you're the underdog close. And you got yourself a chance. We're talking to Jeff Cameron here of the Jeff Cameron Show, 97.9 FM ESPN Radio, Tallahassee. Jeff, I want to ask you one quick question here about a perfect segue there, by the way, for me and my question. Uh, How much comeback talent are you seeing for the program and Coach uh, Norvell? We talked about this with Wes Durham in Georgia Tech and with Andy Demetra uh, of Tech about how you're having players come back that are really – uh, holding up the brand for the uh, for the coaches and for the program to kind of rekindle that flame. Are you seeing any return talent there? Anybody coming back and saying, "Hey, you know, this is a, a championship program that's really helping out Coach Norville." Well, I mean, I think again, it was really big. A lot of people talk about how he's going to do in recruiting. I think the first thing he did was get Tamori and Terry to say yes to coming back for another year, and then and then he aforementioned Marvin Wilson on the defensive side. Marvin was projected to go in the first two rounds, and he chose to come back. That was huge to get those two guys to come back. Um, if you're talking about leadership and people who believe in the program in that way, I, I really I'm kind of curious to see who steps up in that role. You do have some returning players like an Amari Gaynor, who a lot is expected of, but he got hurt early on. He's a legacy player who's got a lot of talent. If they can get an edge rush again, they haven't had one in years really, not consistently anyhow on both sides, that will change the dynamic of that defense. Um, and you've got some other guys that I believe have a chance to step in there and, and, and make an impact, uh, whether that's you know Corey Durden is another good player. Uh, True Thompson is, is a kid that comes back. He didn't get to play much last year, but he's a guy that can make an impact. So I, Jaleel McCray, there's a few guys that I think have a chance to kind of uphold. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, that is uh, that is interesting to see. I was wondering to see if there would be anybody else, if you'd heard from, I don't know, Prime Time or anybody else coming back down there <laughs> oh, you to talk about. You're talk- okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> I misunderstood your question. If you're talking about legacy players and players that played here years ago, yeah, well, you know, it's interesting. Early on, Charlie Ward came out and said how excited he was to see Mike Norvell, and I think that was important. Yeah. Um, Charlie coming out and saying that he was excited about what he had seen so far from Mike Norvell. Mike has made a concerted effort to talk to former players and get them to come back and try to explain what he's all about. A lot of people, you have to remember, a lot of those guys, whether they're college football Hall of Famers or guys that went on to the NFL and had Pro Bowl careers – a lot of them probably had no idea really who Mike Norvell was. Yeah. I mean, Mike's coaching at Memphis. If you're a Florida State graduate and a Florida State fan, you're not paying attention to Memphis. You, no. you, you look up there and say, isn't that nice? Memphis has a nice little team. But, <laughs> you, you know, you're not really looking at them. You're looking at Florida and Georgia and Alabama and Michigan and Ohio State. Well, I shouldn't put Michigan in there. They can't beat Ohio State. I love it. Yeah, but, you know, you're looking at these big-time schools, and that's who you compare yourself to. And then all of a sudden you find out that your alma mater is hiring a guy named Mike Norvell who's 38 years old that wants some games at Memphis. You might be like, well, can't we do better than that? But the truth is sometimes you have to humble yourself. And also talented coaches can come from anywhere. And we've seen it in the ranks of college football over many years, guys that maybe not a lot of people knew about. They kind of cut their teeth at smaller schools, had success. Somebody took a chance on them. And the next thing you knew, they were the up-and-coming stars. So there are some of the guys, legacy guys, that have come back to learn about Mike Norvell, to sit down with Mike Norvell, to hear what he has to say. And I think the guys that have done that are very excited about what they're going to see. 
Yeah, that's interesting, too, uh, Jeff. You know, Jeff Collins is doing the same thing at Georgia Tech. I think that's kind of the younger generation of coaches, kind of the same thing. If, you know, Georgia Tech fans, you see, you know, you hear names getting passed around, Ken Wisenhunt, you know, are we going to stay mm-hmm. with the option, all this stuff, and then comes across the bottom line, Jeff Collins hired at Georgia Tech. We're like, what? Temple, <laughs> huh? You know, you're like, what in the world? And then you, you dig farther into it, and you're like, Hey man, this guy's got a kind of a different type of culture he's bringing out, and he's he's been at Tech before, and then same thing with Florida State. You dig more into Norville's background, and you're like, hey man, this guy's been doing his thing in Memphis, you know, like and and, yeah. and kind of taking care of business. And so I think that's just the transition of college football, like you're talking about, man, and to kind of a youth movement. Yeah, and I'll tell you this much: uh, I like Jeff Collins a lot. When you got him from Temple, I thought right away that was a really good hire, and. One of the reasons I like him, he's young, he's smart. Obviously, when you think about his time as a defensive coordinator when he was at Florida, you mentioned going back a ways. Obviously, he'd been at Georgia Tech. But that's a guy that I really believe uh, was what Georgia Tech needed. I got so tired of watching Paul Johnson in that (laughs) office. I I can't – listen, I I can't do it. And and I I remember thinking, listen, every now and then, obviously, Paul would have himself a year. We remember the Orange Bowl and all that stuff. But I'll – Watching that style of football and trying to recruit to that style of football, I thought you're going to pigeon your whole yourself into mediocrity for a long time. And then I, I, the funny thing was, every year at the ACC meetings, I'd talk to Paul Johnson. That's an ornery dude right there. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other way to put it. He yeah. most definitely is. You're not going to slide anything past him. And you might get a sharp remark if you're not careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He got He got mad at me one time. I asked him a question about – his offense by way of comparison to a pro style offense. He said, what about my offenses in pro style? And I said, everything. <laughs> <laughs> what a, what a great, what a great response. <laughs> yeah. He got, he got mad at me. He got mad at me and he kind of cut me off, but I, I just, yeah, I really felt like this was a good hire for you guys. And I'm excited. By the way, my, uh, my niece goes to Georgia tech. She was in her first year this past year. That's and, awesome. Uh, I'm proud of her and she's doing great and she loves it there. And, uh, my one of my brothers lives in Atlanta, so uh, it, it was exciting to, to 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 see that. So I I, I kind of secretly root for Georgia Tech to do okay. Well, we <laughs> well we appreciate that. Go Jackets! You got you know you got got the family uh, connection there, and I think you're right. Jeff Collins is exactly what Tech needs because we were shipping off into that old school deal. That was uh that was some uh, that was that was definitely a, we're excited about what the new movement of what he's going to bring in. So glad to know you sure. got a little bit of got a little bit of yellow jacket in you down there, man. Hey Jeff, and I thought we were getting. <laughs> I thought we were getting along, Jeff. I thought we were hitting it off here. He's a Georgia Joe's fan. A, Joe's, a, Joe's a Georgia fan, so forgive him, Jeff. For, forgive him. But uh, hey, man, you're you're down there in the in the Florida scene. Uh, before we let you go here, so uh, what do you think about the Bucks and Brady? How do you think that whole thing's coming down? Is it going to piece together okay? I know the Bucks got some talent um, sitting down there, um, but how do you think that's going to come together? You know, that's a million dollar question, obviously. I, I, you know, I'm a Jameis guy. I, I know that I know uh, his dad, Antonor uh, Winston, really well. And, and I got to know Jameis when he was here. I know he's a controversial figure. We won't get into that. But I, I know Jameis, the person, better than a lot of people do. And, and so I, you know, I'd seen, you know, Jameis, one of those guys, he's a polarizing guy in a lot of ways. But if you're only talking football, there's a guy that could do so many things exceptionally well and so many things exceptionally bad. Yeah. So, 
he's one of these rare talents that can do things that will, you know, he can win you a football game, but he can also lose you a football game. So, <laughs> you know, he, he's one of those guys where if you get good Jameis, there ain't anybody in the league that's that much better when you see him when he's playing well. And that hence the reason he threw for over 5,000 yards and 33 touchdowns. But he's also a guy who obviously never saw a pass he didn't want to make, regardless, <laughs> <laughs> regardless of coverage. So I know that given Bruce Arians is the coach and he's old and he's looking to try to win right now because he doesn't have two and three years from now, I think his decision was based on, hey, I could stick it out and they'll get better in year two of my offense and Jameis will be better. But are we Super Bowl contenders? Well, I don't really think so. And given that I'm not going to be here four years from now, I want to win right now. And I think the second he learned Brady was available and that Brady was interested, he kind of figured, all right, we can make this transition. We've got a two-year window to make a run at it. We'll make our decisions in the draft and free agency accordingly. The Bucs aren't waiting around. They're going to try to go out. Obviously, that's why they signed Gronkowski. I mean, they're, they're a team, that, and we'll see what he has to offer. He's got to put another 25 pounds back on that body. But you look at them. And if Brady is, he doesn't have to be obviously the Brady of five years ago, but he can't be the Brady that we saw broken down at the end of last year. Now, I'll grant you that offense was future. He didn't have a lot of weapons, but he looked really old at the end of last year. Yeah, he and, did. He did. And I'm kind of curious to see what we get. I think this has obviously energized him some. It, you know, as a decision maker, he's brilliant. You don't have to worry about work ethic. You know he's going to inspire the guys. You know he's a leader. That defense was starting to play a lot better at the end of last year. If they can get the running game going at all and allow him to throw off a play action where he's deadly, yeah, they've got weapons now. We all know that. So that's a team that could be pretty interesting. I think they're a playoff team. I hesitate to just pencil them on into the NFC Championship game or anything like that. But I do think they're a playoff team next year for sure. Huh. What do you think of uh, Tua and my Miami Dolphins on down the road? Dude? What do you think of them? <laughs> yeah, I, I root for Tua to do well. Uh, I also think that you've got one of the better young coaches in all of football. Um, so, I, I, you know, for me, my dad, uh, who, who I think you guys know my father. Yes, very, we do. Uh, very well. <laughs> he, grew, he, he grew up a, a Dolphins fan, really, when he moved to Miami from Pennsylvania uh, early on in his, in, in his life when he was about 9 or 10 years old. So he's got a soft spot in his heart for the Dolphins always. And I told him, look, I love Brian Flores. I think he's a great young coach. Uh, to get that team to try as hard as they did while they basically openly tried to tank is really pretty amazing. <laughs> um, and so I, I think, you know, I, I think, listen, he's got a good coach. Two in year one, it's all going to be about his health, right? Let's see how, how healthy he is and, and how he's able to handle. Uh, if he starts, I don't think he will. Probably Fitzmagic going to start, right? Yeah. Um, I, you know, Fitzpatrick is what he is. He's limited. Uh, he, he can be good on, on a Sunday. He can be bad on a Sunday. I, I wonder how many weeks into the season they'll go before they go to Tua. Uh, my only concern for Tua, and I know everybody brings up the in, injury history, and he was incredible when he was healthy at Alabama. There's no doubt the numbers bear that out. Uh, I, I think he should have won the Heisman, obviously. Uh, you, you go back to the year that uh, at Oklahoma, that, uh, what's the kid's name? He's now playing uh, quarterback in Arizona. Hurts. Um, no. Uh, uh, Kyler uh, Murray. Uh, no, Murray. 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 Yeah, Kyler Murray. Kyler, sorry about that. Kyler Murray. When Kyler Murray won the Heisman, I thought Tua should have won the Heisman. That said, uh, he's six feet tall. I, I, uh, 
<laughs> six feet tall with shoes on, maybe, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say six feet tall is generous. I, I don't, That's you know, lofty. That's a lofty you mean, six you foot. You mean you got drafted by the Diamondbacks? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get a little worried about him a little bit. That's all I'm saying. It's in terms of Tua, I, I worry about him. But uh, obviously, I think if I like the coach, I think they're moving in the right direction. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see. I, I didn't like the other quarterbacks. Uh, there was no way, way you were going to get Burrow. So at that point, uh, I thought two was the next best quarterback on the board. Yeah. Well, I tell you, it pains me to pull for Tua since I'm a Georgia fan. And, you know, he, he killed us. But uh, <laughs> other than that, I guess I'll have to go with him since he's in Miami. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I have to so hey, now I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I'm glad you took him because I don't think Justin Herbert Overrated. All right. So last question we got here for you, Jeff Cameron of the Jeff Cameron show, 97.9 FM ESPN radio in Tallahassee and Sirius XM radio. We appreciate you being on with us. And I've been looking at, at your promotional piece here. We put out uh, for you being on the show with us here today. And uh, I see the, the Florida state spear in the corner of the studio there behind you. Right. So, uh, right. Well, right. what, do, what do Rob and Ben and I have to do to get our hands on a spear like that? That's all I want to know. <laughs> How good of so friends are we, Jeff? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can get you a spear. My dad has a spear. I got him one just like that. He's got it up in his man cave. Um, I can I can get you a spear. Uh, I, I'm going to have to talk to the people who brought that to me. Uh, <laughs> oh my might be difficult. <laughs> That was that was elicited. I didn't even elicit that. The, the guy just showed up one day. He's a big fan of the show. He said, "Listen, I make these. Uh, uh, you know, some of the Florida State coaches have these. Uh, would you like this?" I said, "Hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, I want to spear it my way, yeah. bro." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I took it and I put it next to. Uh, I don't know if you can see this in the picture because I don't have it in front of me, but there's also a giant picture of my big fat. Head. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That's <laughs> right there. Somebody somebody held that up at college game day one year. And uh, it made the broadcast, and uh, and they brought me the sign afterwards, and it just cracked me up. So we posted it in the studio. It's it's not me being a narcissist. It's just that somebody actually brought that sign. Fantastic. <laughs> you had no Fantastic. choice but to do it. What do you mean? That's yeah, my head. Yeah. Um, so it's right there next to the spear. But I'll get you. I'll get you. Don't need the. You wouldn't want the giant head of mine, but you can have the spear. I'll get no, I've, I've got a big bald glaring head of my own here to keep up with. So okay. <laughs> we're good on that. Yeah, so you, you know what it's like. I do. <laughs> Jeff Cameron of the Jeff Cameron Show at Tallahassee Radio, Sirius XM and ESPN Radio. We appreciate you being on with us. Appreciate it, Jeff. My, my pleasure. Thanks, fellas. Be well. Yeah, man. You too. <laughs> All right. Stick around. We'll be right back after this on your Rob Hitt and Joe show. We're going to get us a spear. Springtime is here, and Bubba's Tire Center is here to handle all of your vehicle needs. With the current situation of COVID-19, we are still operating our normal hours, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5.30. If you need some more time on that set of tires or vehicle repair, we offer a 90-day payment option that requires no credit check, as well as the Goodyear credit card. Don't forget, we offer free pickup and delivery, so you never have to leave your home or place of work. Call us today at 478-275-2964 or check us out online at Bubba'sTireCenter.com. Come to Bubba's Tire Center where we do tires and a whole lot more. 
Eyeballs Marketing and Signs. That's Eyeballs with a Z. I-B-A-L-Z is all about everything you need for printing services, marketing services, apparel services, signage, banners, wraps for your vehicles, design services, or a whole lot more. Whatever you need in your business to get your message out there, you can count on Eyeballs. I-B-A-L-Z dot com. Eyeballs Marketing and Sign in Warner Robins. Hello, everyone. This is Sean Elliott, the head football coach for the Georgia State Panthers. You're listening to the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show, the number one voice for community and collegiate sports from Atlanta to Savannah. Go Panthers! All right, Sean Elliott there, Rob, Ben, and Joe here. Man, what a lot of fun that was talking Florida State football with our man Jeff Cameron. I tell you what, man, he he is very, very, very in tune um, with the Knowles. And it was the Tallahassee plug man. Yeah. I, I tell you what, though. I, he gets me a spear. He's I, definitely the plug man. Yeah, I, I, I love I loved talking to him about, about Florida State because you can tell he has a huge passion. Oh, yeah. for you know he's a, And he's a Florida State fan at heart. But he knows so much about the program and what's going on. And I found it so interesting. And I've wanted to ask somebody that's in tune with the program that has been involved – what the heck was going on with the players and Taggart? Because yeah. me and we Ben would sit oh, here yeah. on Saturday Nailed night. Yeah. You'd be sitting Nailed here. Right there. They're playing Boise State this year. And you're sitting there and you're like, what in God's green earth is going on yeah. in Tallahassee? I've never seen hey. a team so disconnected. Like, they just don't care. Just it, was care. Embar- it was embarrassing. I remember yeah. standing around the house and, and, and Bubba, all of us, are just like, this – this Taggart guy, what is, is he doing? What is going on? You know, like it was just, it was that bad. And that's why mm. I had to open that question up. And obviously, that's what was going on in the streets of Tallahassee down there. I mean, you know, that is just awful. Uh, yeah. Every every piece of that was bad. I'm glad they've got something, you know, something rolling down and there. It's, and it spoke volumes, though, when he said, the first three days of practice, we've turned a page. So, oh, yeah. That mean that just tells you a whole lot. So Florida State fans tuning in in this area, wherever you're tuning in from, Norvell's got, Norvell's got yeah. the trains on the right track. But be patient. It's yeah. the same thing with our fellow Tech fans for Ben and I. You got to hang in there on these guys because when you're making a total transition from something like that and you're trying to change a culture, it ain't gonna happen in two or three years. You need to look five, six years down the road and just continually see and let them build the momentum and let them get their stuff in place because it takes time. It's gonna it, take a minute. It yeah. does, especially after what they had to do in two years of shortage. Oh yeah, two years of a coach and then Jimbo Fisher. He is the pro- he was Jimbo. He's the one that hosed you <laughs> right yes, there. Is Jimbo. Just Willie Taggart was the rebound yeah. girl. I mean, let's yeah. be honest. Let's, you know, yeah, there you go. She, she, Jimbo rode off in the middle of the night. You know, we thought we were going to hang in with him. He was going to be our guy. He gone. Jimbo Bales, get a rebound girl for a little while. It's kind of – it looks good on the outside, but it just doesn't work. Yeah, just what, it doesn't just work. Yeah, what a good fit. Now we got a fresh start. It's not you, it's me. Exactly. Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what it is, family problems. Yeah. Absolutely. And I appreciate, uh, I appreciate Jim Cameron. Jeff's uh, Jeff's dad yep. for all the Florida State information I get throughout the throughout the course of the year. <laughs> yes. you're, if you're ever floating around Dublin or Middle Georgia and you see a guy wearing Florida State, there's a good possibility that it's Jim Cameron. Yes, <laughs> and should ask you about. Should it. ask yes. him a question about it. Well, great show there from Jeff Cameron, 97.9 FM for our friends down there around Tallahassee and uh, the ESPN Radio, and of course you can catch him on Sirius XM Radio there uh, with his own number one sports talk show. So uh, I think he even covers a little golf. So huh. might even hear almost a golf. 
So that's it for uh, today. We got Brian Fennering coming on next week, guys. Can't beat that. Heck yeah. Past 680 the, the fan in Atlanta. Yeah, past Atlanta Falcon for right. 10 years. So should yeah. be a good show. Looking forward to it. Player of the year uh, up there. Uh, award winner, uh, Walter Payton, man of the year for the Falcons. And uh, slot receiver from back in the day. Yeah, one double A guy. Yeah, yep. Villanova grad. True, true football player. True football player. Brian Fennering on the show next week. So be sure and tune back in. Falcons fans, we'll talk to him and find out what's happening with the draft and Atlanta radio uh, all over again. So stick around. Robin and Joe brought to you by Bubba's Tire Center, Network Went Sports, and Eyeballs Marketing Media. We'll see you next week. You're listening to the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Download the show today on your Spotify playlist or Apple Music.